Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in-store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Let It Roll, the podcast about how and why popular music happens, hosted by Nate Wilcox. Follow the Let It Roll podcast on Twitter, at Let It Rollcast, and check out our website at LetItRollPodcast.com. Let It Roll is a Pantheon podcast, and you can listen to more great podcasts at www.PantheonPodcast.com. Nate uses AKG microphones and headphones. Today, Nate returns with his cohorts Eugene S. Robinson, lead singer of the art punk band Oxbow, and veteran entertainment attorney Alexi Old to continue their discussion of Netflix's hip-hop evolution. This week, they discuss the first episode of Season 3, A Tale of Two Coasts, which focuses on Tupac Shakur, Suge Knight, and Death Row Records and their fatal feud with Sean Puff Daddy Combs and the Notorious Big. Pop in those earbuds and enjoy. It's time to let it roll. We're back for our continued survey of hip-hop evolution. This time we're on to Season 3, Episode 1, A Tale of Two Coasts. This is the beginning of the epic Biggie and Tupac story. Alexi! Making faces at me. Hey, I got some ideas because I've heard some things. But anyway, I see. I see. Well, we we want to get too derailed with uh, conspiracy theories and conspiracies. Conspiracy and all that. facts. Let's try to focus <laughs> on the hip hop history. So this episode is kind of weird because this is one of the few that I don't know if you notice this, but it doesn't have the cartoon at the beginning section. Like every other oh. episode of the series has a cartoon that like names the the mm. section. And this first one doesn't, but it kind of it's what it is is the background on the East Coast versus West Coast thing. And like the you know they got quotes from Ice Cube that when we first came out of our first show in New York, we got booed and I think seeing us on stage with our Jerry Curls made them mad. It was like even Ice Cube's embarrassed about the Jerry Curls at this point in time, but yeah. back in the day, you know. Yeah, then, I mean, no, no self-respecting Trump voter would be caught dead. <laughs> Jerry Curls. Dude, A little I don't foreshadowing. Think he actually endorsed Trump, but oh, but, no, no, come on, don't. That was just like Alexi got it. Yeah, literary yeah. terms foreshadowing. Indeed, indeed, and then and then they they go into Tim Dog's whole fuck Compton. I love that song. Single. 
Yeah. It's funny because before it, before they had Exhibit quoting him, when I was watching it with my wife, I said, Beat on D from Pump It Up, except <laughs> to the dog and fucked up. And then as soon as I said it, he said, and then he said, Beat on D from Pump It Up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's never been really explained to, to my satisfaction either. Like, I've been interviewed by a lot of people. Never, I, only one time have I wanted to beat one up, and I didn't do it. I just threw him out of the van. Fair enough, fair enough. But any any thoughts on the general background of the East Coast versus West Coast thing? It was all true. It was all true. I mean, it was there, all true. There, there, you know, the thing is, there was um, there was a bias. Look, even being in D.C. on the East Coast. We aligned ourselves with New York being on the East Coast, and a lot of California stuff seemed corny. They seemed like, you know, they had the jerry curls, you know, they seemed a little country. And this comes from DC, people were thinking this, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and in New York, it was the Mecca. And then when I went to school in New York, I saw the same thing. You would never hear anything other than New York artists on the radio that was that's how it was you know so i i the the beef and the frustration that west coast rappers felt was legit that's totally legit well, well look as a native new yorker but as somebody who's also lived in california for a whole tranche of time a lot of what alexi said is correct you know i mean the jerry girl came and went in New York. I mean, by the time MWA, it was like, why are you still wearing that? It's like, it was mystifying. And you also need to remember that in a city of 12 million people, let let me, you know what I thought about the rest of the country before I I left and traveled the country? I, I actually said this to a friend. I go, What's the rest of the country anyway? A bunch of loser states. Yeah. You know, you could outside of maybe Chicago and LA, you could just blow the rest of it up and nobody would care. Nobody would notice. And another New Yorker guy was just like, yeah. It was just like, yeah. <laughs> thank God we're thank God we were born in New York, man. And then of course you travel the rest of the country and you realize that's not true. But if you're in the music business in the city that's a major media hub, as well as 12 million people. So you could be huge. And I don't mean huge, like people recognize you on the street. I mean, huge, like never, ever having to work again, huge. The, the idea that some renegades out in someplace Compton would be, you know, um, <laughs> I mean, if you took guys from the East Coast, like me, and I had a girlfriend, when I came out here, said, I'm going to take you to a bad neighborhood. And she took me to the Western Edition in San Francisco. And I was like, whoa. You got trees. Yep. And you, yep. There are no burning cars or burning mattresses they have or their abandoned own buildings. Yeah. yeah, so the idea, I mean, you know, LA's had that problem with everything. You remember with punk rock, the first time, I don't know where you were, the first time you heard about punk rock from LA, punk rock was London, punk rock was New York. The idea of punk rock from LA was just hilarious. You know, it was hilarious. What do you got to be upset about in L.A.? Yep. You know, but then we started getting the whole thing with colors, which in, as a New Yorker, we just thought was imminently freaking stupid. We right. Fit, Tim Dawn, you know, right? That's what he said yeah. also. Fighting over yeah. colors? That gang's just yeah. dumb motherfuckers. Yeah, well, but, you know, that's before crack had, had really – or was it before crack had – no, it was on – it was concurrent with – yeah, it was concurrent with crack hitting big, and the gangs existed before that, but they didn't come into their own in terms of being noticed for drive-by shootings when they, until they started dealing, fighting, and killing each other over crack business, you know. So, um, so yeah, it was 
Yeah, I mean, New York was a little too full of itself. Uh, I, I will admit that good music can come from anywhere, as has been demonstrated by scenes that have popped up all over the place. Um, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, L.A. being another media center, they sort of had it coming. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, so there's enough blame. There's enough blame to go around on both sides. You, you know, you, you want to talk to, about a place that should be kind of cranky for not getting more of its due. I would say that's probably Oakland. But Oakland is just happy to get what they got. You know, Rapid Forte. I love that guy. He's not. He hasn't even made it in. It, it, it should be a little bit more cranky. But you know, L.A. They they deserve it. <laughs> I'm just no, because the music, yeah, cause the, the, mu- the, yeah. the music, the music, and the TV and the film, you can't have it all. I guarantee you, if I got to school in, if I got to high school in LA, I probably would have said the same thing. What's the rest of the country anyway? A bunch of loser cities, yep. you know. So, yeah. And so then from there, the show segues into Tupac's journey. And we'd seen Tupac before, I think, in season two as part of the Bay Area thing. They talked about his early work with Digital Underground. Mm. And at this point, Tupac has become famous. He's become an enormous hip hop star, and he's having troubles with the police. And they quote his dad, you know, it seemed like right when he gets some success, they're like jumping on him. We're going to whip him extra. And he's he's got black eyes. They put hands on him. And, and you know, I think um, one of the rock critics or music critics I talked to had a good point that he was the black political struggle and gangsterism mixed up in one bottle. And that was a very dangerous mix. I mean, that was yeah. Just, I was feeling the same, Eugene. You know, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we'll get to the foolishness. But the thing that jumps out at me that they missed, and I understand why they didn't bring this up because it's about music. But the guy was becoming a big movie star at the same time. I mean, he was in Above the Rim. I think somebody mentions Above the Rim in here, but that Juice. Was just the one. He was in that movie interview. Juice too. What was it? What, yeah, what was, it yeah with, uh, J- with Janet Jackson, right? No, no, oh, that's for Justice. He did Juice. Yeah. That was done with uh, Ernest Dickerson, the uh, Spike Lee cinematographer. Yeah, and that and blew think... him up. And then Above the Rim. And then you know. Yeah, and then he'd already been kicked off Menace to Society too. I think. Right. Was... Yep. For fighting with Why the Hughes brothers. Yeah. yeah. Literally fist fighting one of the Hughes brothers. Yeah. Really? Fact, yep. Yeah. Why? One of the, Some they, bullshit. They fired him and he attacked him. I mean, just, you know. And the Hughes brothers, they, the Hughes brothers, uh, so it depends on who you want, whose story you believe. When the Hughes brothers like, all I know is he says something to me and I said something to him. And I don't remember the next part, but I just remember just coming to and just pummeling him. And he was all on the ground flailing and I was just beating him up and I, I, I blacked out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, man. You got to walk this one off, take the L, <laughs> and yeah. move on. So general thoughts on Tupac here. and, and, and Overrated. Well, I, I mean, that's, I, I, even at that point, I, I, even even at that point, I mean, Tupac was a person. Just going back, watching this, I remember the, I remember the time. I remember – I would just totally remember the music scene at that point. The, the, how he was viewed. The thing is that Tupac was somebody who had more charisma than the average rapper. He was a pretty boy. He was a pretty boy thug. That's what his whole thing was, a pretty boy thug, taking time to tie his little knot in the right way, right? With his long eyelashes, you know what I mean? And his little, his little looks. So he was somebody who had talent, but because he was cute, it, it just totally, ex- and talked a lot of shit, 
You know, just yeah. just totally it was all the stereotypical like attitude as opposed to the substance. I'm not saying he wasn't talented. I mean he he did have talent. There were some lyrics that he had that were good, some songs that were good, but he's just so inconsistent in terms of who he is. I, I remember back then he said, like, hey, wait a second. First of all, he's talking about hold your head up, but then I get around, like, the fuck is he talking? Who is this guy? Yeah. Like, is yeah. is he righteous brother or is he like yeah. disrespecting black women like it's straight up like that was the hardcore line that people had on tupac and no one back in the day i'm saying i'm not engaging in revisionist history it's like oh the great tupac it's after he died that he got all this stuff like correct correct yeah i i'm gonna i'm gonna have to even look you know if you are a black multimillionaire, you, you know where you should be not fist fighting with cops you know, I mean, I think what you got is an art school kid yep. who uh, who let yep. the legend, the, yep. the, the, uh, you know, he said, fact meets a legend, print the legend, who let the legend start to dictate, start to walk the dog, you know, and that's not the, I, I don't, I don't know what he was thinking, um, but I think what I think his down it was like from the start we saw the end because yep. his desire to be perceived as authentic yep. put him into a situation where he was embracing authentic gangsterism and I think that fundamentally was his was his undoing and you know his he his fellow travelers he has other people who were on the same and didn't have nearly the same problems. Yep. Yep. You know, Dr. Dre is a, a, a near billionaire, Jay-Z near billionaire. And, and this whole idea that somehow Biggie had him set up, I, this shows a, a fundamental misunderstanding of how things work in New York. Yep. It's like Biggie might have talked that crap on a record about being the king of the New York. But in those days, everybody was a stick up kid. What are you going to you're going to shit turn the city upside down and shake out the guys who rob it's not, it's not like a mafia movie where you get the word out in the street that the guy who robbed them you know they saw me coming they saw me they yeah. saw me and yeah. waved at and, me and we'll, and we'll get we'll get to that so so you know he's fist fighting he's fist fighting with the cops he's doing this thing about the women then he's getting busted for rape and yeah. it's like nah bro nah 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 that's why Angie Martinez himself. was totally you know the <laughs> totally off point when she was like and I don't understand the hatred for him like because he raped a girl like everyone talked yeah. about that everyone was yeah. talking about that so it's like yeah, for, it's, for, for which he actually went to jail yeah for, 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 prison for like nine what nine and allegedly months. raped himself in jail yeah oh, I didn't hear about that mm -mm. yeah that's supposedly one of the reasons that true reaching out to him yep. was so compelling was that he was having, he was in Dannemora, which is a notorious, infamous hell. He went in jail as yes. a rapist. Like you gotta be realistic with that. Like he wasn't going in because he beat up cops. He went in there as a rapist. Well, well, yeah, but the, you know, prison is you're only gonna have a hard time if you're raping kids. I mean, pretty much a deal when you go in and you you have a name, you find out who the shot caller is, and you tell that shot caller whatever you need <laughs> on the outside. You know, family member needs a car, you got it. Family member needs a loan, you got it. And that shot caller makes sure that you don't have a shower incident. But that was the whole thing. Was Tupac was having a massive cash crunch because he was supporting a big family and he was spending money with both fists. And that's why he was going to that studio to do uh, the rap the night before he got sentenced <laughs> anyway or went to trial and, and got shot was because he was trying to make 7000 bucks. And supposedly the manager of the game – has since confessed to setting Tupac up in of that course. situation. I, I, I got, 
in my mind, in my mind, when I, I and I don't want to get ahead of the show here, in my mind, that that whole scene had LA all over it. It had LA all over it, all over. And keep in mind, both those cats were killed on the West Coast. <laughs> they weren't killed in New York. Mm-hmm. They weren't killed in New York, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so this, uh, this, it's it's LA stuff. But let's get back to the story. So then they go into <laughs> Tupac and Biggie, and now they do have a cartoon section. The, you know, the big cartoon and Tupac <laughs> and Biggie, and they talk about how you know before Biggie was famous, Tupac would drop in and hang with them on the corner of Fulton Street, and Little Cease is very impressed, you know, with this. And but they don't go into how did they meet at all, you know. And there's there's two different stories. One is that Tupac heard Biggie's first single. And part, party and bullshit, I think, and mm-hmm. fell in love, and put the word out when he heard Biggie was in LA visiting, and had him drop by the house. Another story is that Biggie had a drug dealer introduce him to Tupac while he was out in LA, and went out to his house and partied. I don't know that that's usually relevant, but I do think it's relevant that Tupac had mentored him much more than they bring out here. That you know that at one point supposedly Biggie asked Tupac to manage him, and Tupac was now now Puffy's going to make you famous, and that's and, right. You know I don't know, and you know I've never liked Tupac. I never got it. Why I is that? I didn't. I didn't like the Chronic. I didn't like that the G Funk yeah, style at all. It was like everything I did not want to hear from hip hop was smooth, Word. easy. And all that I wanted to hear scratching, and I wanted to hear samples, and I wanted to hear loud noise and everything. In retrospect, I can now appreciate the Chronic and Snoop Dogg's first album and everything. And I even had an epiphany just today of enjoying that um, second big Tupac album, the one he did on Death Row, for the first time ever. I mean, it just hit me like, ah, this is why people like it so much. And so, um, but I still think Biggie's just a much, much, much better rapper. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. and and I, and I and even when he goes pop on that second album. You know, there's still some great stuff on there, and the first one, "Ready to Die," is just just yep. immense. But that's not yep. really what the show's about. But anyway, I, I just want to drop that's that. That's what in our show's about. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but so, I mean, I think I think the whole point was just that they they had been friendly, and that Tupac was the bigger star, and he and he's very friendly to Biggie at a point when there was really nothing in it for him. And then this tragedy happens where he gets robbed and thinks he was set up by Biggie and just well, 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 that- well keep in mind too keep in mind too he he forced that interaction down the road where it yep. went you know because stick up kids like give me your give me your shit and like that's it like Slick Rick said you know they're not really not real the guy was like boom pat you know punch. I just want your stuff. I don't want to have to yeah, have any no conversation beyond that. Yeah, yeah. The guy comes, little C's gets down in the elevator. He goes, get out. And he goes back up. And then, of course, you know, again, the the myth and the legend take over. And he feels like he's got to do something. And then the guy with the gun's got to do something. So, you know. And then the Puffmaster Flex mentioned the fact. No, I'm just one quick thing is, and also the, the rumor that yeah. Tupac's gun went off. Right, that he was the and one who shot himself. Shot yeah, that's how it happened. Uh, so yeah, sorry, yeah, it's one of you. No, no, not at all. I think that's a relevant point. But go ahead, Eugene. No, so it just uh, again, again, it was just a kind of a, a, a tsunami of bad decisions, you know. Um, and uh, and I think what the guy needed was what he needed was a mentor, and, and that's what he sought when he got out of prison. He just sought the wrong mentor. You, you know, know, it's so funny you said the thing that I thought was so fascinating, Eugene, about what you just said was, 
in terms of how it works with stick up kids and that whole kind of yeah. culture, which is Lil C's was told, get back, you know, go back, get out of here. And he got out of there. And when he went up to Big, Big was like, we're going to take some guns. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, right? I mean, think about it. You know, yeah, if, it, if, yeah, it, if it yeah. was, if, if what happened was just totally out of whack and and it was a super gangstified environment, Wild West bullshit that Tupac was believing, like something would have happened as opposed to like, yeah. what do you want me to do? Shit, let's, uh, yeah. what, let's rewind the track. Let's go back to that cut. And do that. <laughs> yeah, see, seriously. You know? Bro- Brooklyn in the 80s and the 90s, it's like you just like said I saw the ice cream truck. You said it's yeah. fundamentally, oh, I got Rob coming over. Oh, that's too bad. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, People were getting, people were getting, my sister is on, on the subway, going down the subway, talking to me on the phone. And I can hear her, she's talking, talking. And I can hear that she's moving the phone. And next thing I hear, oh no, phone is dead. <laughs> right? Calls me back 20 seconds later. Some guy tried to snatch, you know, my sister's big, you know, tried to snatch the phone. She sees him, sees his sketch, moves the phone from this hand to this hand. And the guy goes forward and she like hip throws him down a flight of stairs, you know, and it calls, calls me back. It's like people were getting, what do you think? They stopped people riding in between the trains. Yep. They were snatching chains. They were snatching women's purses and they would hit their heads against the, the, the I beams and die. It was a crazy time. Biggie couldn't have shook, shaken that out of that city. And even by the time I was, I got to New York, which is 95, like there's certain basic things you knew. You do not sit. If you're sitting down on the subway, you do not sit on that seat right next to the door opening. Because if you sit down, <laughs> if you sit down yeah. there with the door opening, like, bop, and that's it. Yep. You know, like, right, right, right. Yeah. So Tupac is this unfortunate mix of naive. They talked about how he was a middle class kid and he wasn't street in the previous episode, yep. and now he's in the situation, and it's just like a, a flailing. Like the dude is flailing. Right. You know, and right. and it's the more successful his career got, the more disastrous his personal life got, and the more of this kind of trouble he created. But then Biggie puts out Who Shot You yeah. after this happened. You know, and the story is how we recorded it in advance and everything. But everybody in the world thought that was about Tupac. They couldn't even I keep mean, a straight face talking about the thing. That's what I thought was so yeah, funny yeah. is they're talking little C's earlier and he, they were like, so what about what happened when when big when uh Tupac got robbed? It's like, well, uh, I just uh, felt really bad, you know, the kind of thing. That, what what about <laughs> what about who shot you? Like, do you think that was a good time? Well, uh, you know, I think that you know, like it was just a record, and I it's like, who, uh, you know, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 and I think there was a collision here of Puffy and Biggie, just sort of gleefully treating it like a regular record feud, you know, and, yeah. and putting it out and trying to use it to hype it and sell records. And then, and the role of the that, media, this is a thing like, so, so uh, uh, episodes ago, one of the frustrations I had with this show was the fact that they did Yom TV raps, right? They're willing to give homage to that. And, and, and certain DJs, I get that, but they totally underestimate and underplay the role of the source of Vibe magazine of a lot of yep. these publications that 
people lived and died under like you know when, when you got like the unsigned hype in the source or you know you got the yep. five the five mics in the source did, right yeah and then you know the five mics on the source and then you had well i mean the the, the what's it called there was a controversy because mob deep was got the uh, five you know uh, and so you have that and then the vibe magazine like totally fueling the east coast west coast i mean everyone back in the day was talking about that and so the fact that mm. they're making these references a little bit to the source here and there and vibe a little bit with it, it really deserves its own segment on you know the the source and vibe magazine i don't know if they'll ever get to it but if they never get to it it's just a total disservice to the role that those two publications play to hip-hop just totally yeah. undercutting and, it. and rap pages oh that's right yeah <laughs> Because they were published by Larry Flint when I and when I was at Larry Flint, so yeah, got to work your plug in, got to work yeah, your plug yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, home team. So, um, I don't know that they missed anything from this this section, but except that that is a glaring omission. Not talking about the source, like Dan Charnas's classic book, the business history, the big payback, the history of the business of hip hop. He spends chapters on the source, yeah. and he also talks at great length about when hip hop got on the radio and what markets. And New York was pretty early, but even at this point, even in the early '90s, mid '90s, there's only a couple of radio stations in New York that are playing hip hop, yeah. and you know, and then very few nationally. There's some in LA, there's some in San Francisco, but very few around the rest of the country. So they're not giving you that context that. They do talk about it and they show the magazine covers, but like you said, they don't really explain just how big a deal this is. And it's was. funny, Nate, I mean, because it's like what you just said, which is key, right? That I didn't, I, I didn't, wasn't thinking about, which is maybe this is why it was glaring. If you're in New York, right? If you're in mm -hmm. these, the epicenter of where stuff is happening, you don't realize what it's like to not be there and where you hear stuff, right? So what you just yeah. said. So when I was in DC, where was I hearing stuff about what to buy and what so on? So it wasn't from the radio. It was the source. Like sometimes Rap City or Yom TV Raps. You know, it's like it's these sources when you're outside of that epicenter, when you're figuring out what's going on. That's why I was listening to Nas and, and, and Wu-Tang and all that kind of stuff. It's because of those publications. When you're not in – and I don't know if it's the same in Texas. Like when you're not in New York, this is where you're hearing about it. Yeah, but that still wouldn't have motivated people to the kind of acts of violence that we're leading up to talking about. You know, it, it was it was aided and abetted. You know, but ultimately, that's that, that's that's not who I'm holding responsible. Mm. You know? Yeah, I mean, no, I'm not saying everybody... that they were they were they were you know they were they were the main yeah. ones, but just the role yeah. of like stoking stuff. Well, I think yeah. I think I think you know feuds have hit music have been part of music forever, but what hasn't always been part of music have been gangsters, mm. and I, and I think again you know I mean gangsters have always been involved in music, but historically yeah. they kept to the background, right. and they were the nightclub owners and sometimes the managers, but you didn't have like Louis Armstrong's manager shooting you know Benny Goodman or something. I mean like like they 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 kept their business. In the background, and it was a big deal. If you did have that comedian Joey Joey Brown, yeah, Joey he, Brown he, with the got, yeah, I got mutilated by I think Machine Gun Jack McGurn, but that was very rare, and that was a very big deal. Yeah, and that even had ramifications with Al Capone's mob. But what you had, I think, was an out of control gang violence scene in L.A. that went on to take over the whole country. I mean, now you've got yep. chapters of Bloods and Crips all over the country, and so stupid. 
Yeah, and and you haven't, you know, at this point, and we'll get to Shug Knight next time when we continue. You know, it it's been building and building in L.A. and the line between the performers and the talk, you know, their subject matter, and then the reality of who they're working with and and how they're operating. Those lines are just getting totally blurred. And so when Source and Vibe and Puffy and Biggie and all these people are playing playing this game as if it's just a game, as if it's a performance. You know, we've got a feud, you know, and we're selling records. And then it's going to collide with Shug Knight and the Southside Crips and the Bloods and all that. And it'll be disaster. And we'll talk about that next time. Who shot you? Separate the weak from the opposite. Leap hard to creep them Brooklyn streets. It's on, nigga. Fuck all that bickering beef. I can hear sweat trickling down your cheek. Your heartbeat sound like Sasquatch's feet. Thundering, shaking the concrete. Then the shit stopped when I fall the plot. Neighbors call the cops, said they heard mad shots. Saw me in the drop, three and a quarter. Slaughter, electrical tape around the daughter. Old school, new school, need to learn though. I burn, baby, burn like disco inferno. Burn slow like And now a word from our sponsors. Continue our discussion of Hip Hop Evolution Season 3, Episode 1, A Tale of Two Coasts. Last time we talked about Biggie and Tupac. This time we're going to talk about Shug Knight. So they cover, I don't remember, do y'all remember if they talked about Shug Knight before when they talked about gangster rap? I don't think they did. No, I don't think so. Uh, yeah. uh, no, I, I think there were four, when you talk about the last one, I think there were foreshadowing in the first part, right? Well, oh, not you mean in this very, episode, in the, you mean, back yeah, when yeah, we talked mean, about no, NWA. No, no. I don't think okay, so, no, no, so no, this no. is no, no. this is the introduction of Shug Knight here, right? And essentially, they talk about uh, the Source Awards in 1995, where awesome. Shug Knight came in, and you know the East Coast is booing, the New York audience is booing Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, and Shug comes up and dramatically escalates by dissing Puffy Combs. And um and and you know that it was it was, a, it was mild it was mild uh it's pretty pretty. No, it was at, just all up in the videos at the, at yeah, the time I'm not be in the videos dancing in the videos I'm at the like, time yeah, it wasn't like, really I mean at the I mean I see what you're saying but like at the time nobody I mean in terms of producers like rappers I guess in theory but not even on the award shows like I I'm just saying because I remember when it happened I was like oh, it's just he said what it, he, it said, what, he said what I was thinking he said what everyone was th- he said exactly what everyone was thinking at the time yeah <laughs> yeah and and if he had smiled when he had said it people would have been like ah that's funny but he didn't smile when nope. he said it so he he's he didn't smile but he had this real look of I'm really pleased with myself with what I'm saying yeah, with yeah, yeah and you get dance in your videos yeah, and 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 <laughs> Shug is not. It's not that he's inarticulate, but he's not a spokesperson as right. a rule. 
Like, and, and, and that to me smacked of he had written that out in advance because you could almost see him patting himself on the back as he makes each one of those points, you know, mm. I'm not going to be in the videos and, you know, and. Yeah, he was selling. He said, he said, come on, come to death row. It was a, it was a sales pitch in a place yeah. that he was. Smart yeah, except it wasn't other than Tupac, who he already had basically in his pocket or would soon sign and, and knew he, or, you know, had reason to believe he would soon sign he didn't sign anybody from the East Coast over that. It's not like he made any recruits with that. I mean, it was it was just throwing down the gauntlet was the net effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and good business. Oh, uh, I mean, keep in mind, I'm a keep, keep in mind, I'm a New York guy, but I just don't like this like sensitivity where he gets up and he says, "Hey, you want to come to my label? Come on!" And now people start shooting each other. It's pretty mild. He could have gotten up there and said, "Hey, I'm not making people." Uh, suck me off to get a record deal. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't known at the time or alleged. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, alleged he's referring yeah. to allegations about uh, Puffy Combs and I can't remember who some other third party is accusing. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Williams. Don't wake yeah. me. I'm We shouldn't even name him because there's, there's no yeah, evidence other than one person. allegation. Just like the yeah. unfounded allegations I have about Kid Nate. I, I, I don't, I don't uh -huh. spread them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just keep keep them to yourself. But anyway, they and and then they quote. You know, they've got Snoop Dogg quoting, saying, "Shug was one of the best businessmen ever in the history of hip hop." And and then yeah, they've got okay. Ice Cube. Well, that's, uh... Yeah, and and. And I, I you think mean, he's plan, got plan, 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 plan Ice Cube. Holding yeah. it by the ankles outside of the balcony window escape. <laughs> Give him the masters. Yeah. <laughs> Give up your right. Oh, sorry, it's Vanilla Ice. Give up your songwriting credit. Yeah, it was Vanilla Ice's <laughs> publishing that, that was acquired that way, allegedly. Uh, and Chuke's currently in prison. So, you know, although I, I was thinking. Well, you're wearing red in solidarity, Nate. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I, I mean, when I'm not a crip, I'm a blog. Well, he, 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 well he, but he, he, he had a lot of, he had, I mean, his star was dimming. There were a couple of famous YouTube videos where he was getting danzigged by uh, by some fans. Do you remember that? Getting knocked out uh, about in Shug? public. I'm talking about Suge, yeah. And, but that's recently. Fact, this is not 1995. No, the DOC had had his accident years before that, but oh, and then he became yeah. a writer, and he was he he he, yeah. he never got quite as full mojo back as a rapper, but he was still recording. But mainly, yeah. he was a super talented writer and had been writing tons yeah. of lyrics for people. But he'd already quit. Dre had pulled way back, and um, supposedly, Shug was recruiting more and more. Like every time Dre went to the office, there would be another five tunes there you know, LAPD, Bloods, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just getting, you know, they're having multiple meetings. I think it was Sam Sneed that supposedly got beat up at a death row meeting, the producer. And and it was just, the thuggery worked great to get him away from, to get Dre away from Easy e But then, you know, the thuggery is just eating, eating on itself. And, and I don't know. And then well, there's also the Rampart scheme. 
Yeah, yeah, thuggery is, is never a prescription for good business, which is why the mafia from the beginning has made their move to be, you know, less thug, more business. It's just better business, you know. And they try, you know, but it's also like That's why right. Meyer Lansky never made it in the various legitimate businesses he tried, despite all the talk about, you know, what a brilliant businessman he was. It always helped if you had Bugsy Siegel or somebody like that ready to crack heads and you were in an environment where nobody could go to lawyers. So, you know, there's, and then, but there's also the Rampart scandal, which was mm. a corruption scandal in LAPD. And at least one of the movies that purports to explain what happened with Tupac and Biggie Bro- blames corrupt off duty LAPD officers for the murders. The so, shield, which Orlando is the great, Anderson. the shield, which is the great show was based on that whole scandal too. Yeah. And we'll get also, to Orlando. The- and the guy, the guy, the guy who broke it is uh, actually a family friend and Ooh. one of Pulitzer for uh, John Mitchell, uh, who has wisely moved out of Los Angeles and now lives in Mexico City. <laughs> oh. uh, wow! When you've gone to yeah. Mexico City for safety, that's uh, I, that, that says something, right? Yeah. That that says everything. So I don't know. I think I think Ice Cube is right when Ice Cube says, you know, Death Row for a while had it totally kicking. You know, and they had Dre and they had Snoop. They had the best records. They were the biggest records. And, and Shug was apparently collecting the checks and distributing them just fine. So, but as far as Snoop's assessment of he's one of the best businessmen to ever play the game, I just don't buy that. Do you guys? Yeah. No. Th- well, let, let's put it this way uh, uh, Puffy is close to being a billionaire, but Shug Knight wasn't close to being a billionaire ever at any point ever. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and Dre is unless you're measuring that in cigarettes. Yeah, <laughs> and and Dre I think is close yeah. to being a billionaire too, if not an outright billionaire for the Beats yeah. sale. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the other thing they left out is that Dre really had nothing to do with the All Eyes on Me, the Tupac album they put out with Death Row, um, you know, which is a total tell. And then the the album. After that, the album that came out after Tupac died, which they do not mention at all, um, the the Killuminati, the Seven Day Plan, Machiavelli, yeah, that um, album. And I've been listening to Tupac a lot, and I have to say, I'm enjoying Tupac a lot better than I have in the past. So I, I do think that at least those two albums, the one he did right before Death Row, um, and then All Eyes on Me, I think those hold up pretty well for for G Funk type stuff but that mm. album after he died blows chunks and they don't even mention it you know in this and and one thing that i looked up that was interesting was uh none of the name producers are working on it except for one i think one single had somebody that he worked with before and basically there were two uh heard him bad and and big e harper were the guys and tupac was just in there manically recording and there were no producers around, and they just grabbed two guys out of what they called the whack room, which was where Death Row was trying to do R&B and failing. Mm-hmm. And Tupac just hooked these guys in, and they're terrible. It's not good, you know. And, and if you, and... if go ahead, if you, um, I, I, Mr. Marcus, the porn star, wrote a piece for me about recording during that period. And and recording with Tupac during that period, and Tupac pretty much said, "I'm a fan. Let's hang." 
and uh, uh, Marcus was with uh, two other female porn stars, and they said, "Hey, you want to go hang with Tupac?" And he, he uh, said, "Yeah, sure." So they went over to the studio where he was recording, and this is like months before months before he died. And he um, he said it was him, the two porn, the, the two female porn stars, and a bunch of people, and kind of Tupac was doing this round robin thing where everybody would write a lyric and everybody would get a shot and everybody would go into the booth and do it which doesn't sound to me like a prescription you know however mark the punchline of the piece is that marcus was a, after his death was driving around la the song comes on the radio and he hears one of the female porn stars her, her voice and her verse actually did make it on the final final cut so who knows maybe she was a had a hidden talent that didn't involve yeah but i mean he recorded all eyes on me in that fashion i mean he came out of prison and just laid down track after track after track after track and that's you know some of yeah. his best work um you know for those who like tupac that's that's the stuff that and the album right before that which name i'm blanking on but um me against the know, world yeah me against the world and so tupac recording in a manic frenzy wasn't necessarily the problem but uh, were those porn stars in the, the uh connected to the how do you want it video no, because remember he did he and jodeci had like three videos for how do you want it two of them had porn stars in it Marcus doesn't talk about any of the women actually ending up in the, in any any video. Mm. He just talks about a song. So, all right. Yeah, and, I mean, and, you, um, you, you can you can you can go to Ozzy.com and type in Mr. Marcus and it comes up. All right, I will do. <laughs> yes, yes, we shall do that. And so again, this is unique so far in the hip hop evolution that there's only two of these cartoon screens. So the, this whole half of the episode is the only screen you get is Shug. Um, but the, the this rest of the episode basically tells the story of Tupac's uh, decline and fall. But again, they sort of tiptoe around it. They don't mention Orlando Anderson, who's who's the uh, crip that Tupac and, and the crew that Tupac attacked, and then the whole crew stomped the guy in the casino. And one of the two movies that's out about Tupac and Biggie says Orlando just got in his car and killed the guy. They they put together a crew and they jumped in their car and they caught Shug and Tupac driving out of the casino and you know opened fire and and so no dirty cops involved just straight up the the dude they beat up it had nothing to do with Biggie had nothing to do with Puff Daddy just internal L.A. stuff and Tupac's own foolishness you mm -hmm. know like and they don't even talk about that like Tupac's on security camera video attacking a crib in the casino yep. just minutes before his death. And I think shock G they they do let shock G talk of digital underground. And he's clearly, you know, was not a fan. It seems like none of the San Francisco friends were fans of Tupac going over to death row. You know, Richie rich is in the, in there talking about trying to talk him out of it before she got him out of prison. And he understood, Hey, the guy's going to bail you out of jail. I can understand that, but did not approve it. And, you know, shock G's big quote is, you know, his mission wasn't clear. Whether he was trying to unite the thugs only or the West Coast, was he anti-East anti Coast suddenly or he didn't know? What is his living purpose? I just thought he went crazy, you know. And, and his first manager, um, Lula Steinberg, is the same way. He was frantic, desperate. That was really hard to watch, you know. And, and she didn't want him doing uh, hit him up. With, with, but they don't talk about hit him up though with the, classic. I'm so glad he did hit it, him up. That's just yeah, it's, oh. it's a good song. But they could have made the same song without all the dissing. 
you know, no. they could have softened some of those lines. No, 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 no. I remember hearing this for the first time. So the thing is, is that if the last thing was, you know, issues with Tupac, in terms of all eyes on me and on the singles coming out of that and hit them up, like that to me is just – I don't want to say necessarily peak Tupac because I think that one of the issues that the issues I think Shock G and Seinberg were having with him is the fact that there's certain visions that they had of him and who they thought he was, right? So she saw him as this guy that was going to talk to the troubled youth and was going to be, you know, uh, 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 lyrically and 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 uh, psychologically and mentally and culturally on a different level. Shock G also had certain kinds of aspirations for him, and he just went for that thug shit, right? And so the thing is that once that settled, I thought once that settled, and he started going in um it, 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 the part of the frustration is the fact that it's not going to last long you know you just can't performing as a thug and straight up being a thug you know two different things and so hit him up i remember when i first heard it i was in a jeep in in new york and um a friend of mine said listen to this have you heard this new tupac and he put it in and like everyone in the jeep was like what the f like it totally hits you because he's like he's talking about I fucked your wife I'm gonna murder you and your kids fuck you as a record label and as a promotion as a crew he just he just it totally was it 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 deviated from being uh creative lyrical rap and just delved into just like straight up visceral anger and hatred the likes of it. you can like kind of feel the spit. You know, like literally like him, like frothing on the mic for that kind of stuff. So that, you know, it was it, it, that kind of point was crazy. So that's why I think in terms of the frustration is the fact that you go down, you have a guy who like Eugene was talking about is like a drama school kid and is modeling different kinds of behaviors and doesn't seem authentic in, in certain situations. It seems like he's and trying to, you know. Has enough money that he should be at home counting the money and say, I I'm sorry, did you say something? I was at a million. Except he never had money. Start. Mm. That's he what never accumulated that's, that's, that's any what capital. You said, that's what you. That's what you said last year. But you know what? You know who doesn't have money? Me. You know how I don't. <laughs> I, how I know that? Because I go to work every day. That's how I know I. He have works money. hard for the yeah. money. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, yeah, Tupac, yeah. Tupac was money. hanging out with porn stars, celebrities, and uh, and living in uh, uh, in relative swankness. He may not have had money, but he had a lot more of nothing than I have. Well, but he had legal bills, massive ones. He had a big entourage. So do you fronting, think that's why he's he, always and... posing with – because the thing is funny about him is more than anybody else in that crew, or I would even include like Bad Boy, even the feud, like he was the one that was always whipping out the thickest stacks and like just bragging and showing off. So you're suggesting that all – like total facade, like was that money he had to turn in at the end of the photo shoot? Like, you know – I don't know that it was, was, was that all he facade had? with that, but he couldn't bail himself out of jail. You know, I mean, that's where he needed Shug and the cash. No, I'm saying after. Lawyers. I'm saying after the fact. But, but even after the fact, I mean, you know, he, he still had some money, but he didn't have the kind of money that he didn't have wealth. He might have had some. He money had the income. fat stack, well, but not wealth. Video. What was the Wu Tang? Wait, uh, Wu Tang line about uh, waiting on royalties takes too long. It's like waiting on babies. You know, it do, it takes it does take a long time to actually get a royalty check. I've only gotten one. <laughs> so, you know, and I was surprised it showed up. So I didn't know how, how I didn't know I was waiting for it until it showed up. Yeah, no, I've I've gotten one since 1980. 
So that's how well I've done in the music business. Or as, as May said, right, in the best line he ever wrote, one of my favorite lines of all time, ASCAP, where my check be? Problem with y'all? I say it directly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he's yeah. right. I, 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 I dumped ASCAP in favor of being out my years ago and actually started getting money, you know? Mm. And Well, I mean, and this is the one thing I've never heard anybody complain about Shug not paying people. I, he's beating yeah. people up in the office. He's creating terrible feuds. He's running off, off talent. But unlike, say, Easy and Heller, uh, Ruthless Records, apparently he pays people. You know, so that's that's a plus on his side. But the one the other thing they don't talk about, do you remember the Toss It Up single when Tupac went after Dre? Yeah. I mean, they, oh, they didn't no, mention that shit that. at all. Yeah. They, they didn't mention – I mean, you would think from the, this – if all you knew about hip-hop was watching Hip-Hop Evolution, you would think that Dre was as thick as thieves with Tupac and Shu. But to me, it's like mm-hmm. Death Row was already – you know, breaking apart, Dre's distancing himself from this. Tupac comes in and is big and loud and crazy and very successful, and Dre's gone. Yeah. You know, and and mm. and dissing Dr. Dre at this point. I mean, I don't know. I I I I do think that Shock G. It was more than just that Tupac wasn't like a handsomer Chuck D. That mm. he was behaving really insanely recklessly, like attacking the crip in the casino just a dumbass thing to do you know and you know and there we go and another thing they didn't mention did you know mc hammer was on death row that's right i know that the funky headhunter oh, it's man. all good <laughs> pumps and a bump oh pumps and a bump <laughs> yep, again not mentioned on the show whatsoever i don't know that it's relevant but um well, they they, they, down, they downplayed MC Hammer anyway, and I don't even think they even played had anything with Vanilla Ice in their thing. So they didn't touch Vanilla Ice at all, but it's they had just... they gave MC Hammer the thing in the Bay when they did the Bay Area episode. They gave him no, a they whole... uh, they they dealt with him, but they didn't t- really address how. I mean, well, they talk about how Biggie. Oh yeah, whatever. The people go yeah. back and watch that episode again. See the beef <laughs> with these Canadians who don't know the culture. Uh, uh, culture vultures appropriation so, unlike some of us there you go so final thoughts on Tupac and Shu like just tragic disaster or I mean you Alexis seem to like him best on death row as a thought no I'm saying so no, my thing, I mean, it's, it's, go ahead Eugene no go you go, go, go. No, I was going to say is my frustration with Tupac is the fact that he just – I think it's what the, his – the people that were frustrated – it's the same frustrations that Steinberg and Shock G had, which is mm. you get so many samplings of different kinds of personas that mm. he either has multiple personality disorder or he's a drama school kid or he's trying to flesh mm. out or figure out what he has to do. The thing is, is that mm. whenever he went full-throated into anything, he did extremely well, right? So when he was a conscious rapper, phenomenal. Dear Mama, great song. I cry when I heard it. Very sad song, touching, all eyes on me. A number of those tracks on point. Hit him up with one of the greatest or, you know, argue with Ether. 
uh, you know, uh, no vastly like one of the greatest diss tracks of all time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so he actually, when it comes to being able to, if you if you sample his career and how he dabbled in different genres, he showed excellence in each one. The problem is he just all over the place. His self destruction, what happened to him, was very predictable, yeah. right? And yeah. it was just, it's hard to say like who was he really because he seemed to be trying to be so many different things to different people. I don't know how true he was to himself. I'm a Black Panther because my mother was a Black Panther. Uh, I'm in the Bay Area with Shock oh, yeah. Team, so I'm doing their thing. Oh, I'm a thug now. So it's just that's the sadness is the fact that, like, who was he outside of who he was hanging out with? Unknown. Yeah. Uh, one last ironic point that I found after we talked about the first half of this was that, you know, Tupac was never accused of sexual assault himself. What he was accused of was letting other people at a party attack a woman that he'd already been with consensually. And supposedly the dude that was the lead attacker in that situation was a gangster that Biggie had tried to warn Tupac away from. That was a guy that I think his name was Haitian Jack that Tupac had approached because he was researching a part. And Biggie had tried to say like, stay away from that guy. That guy is poison. Didn't listen. You know, boom, 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 boom. So just, I don't know. I, the Tupac story just makes me very sad. It's just a, just a series of tragedies. Yeah, but you gotta have, you, I mean, yeah, you, you need, you need to actually have some sort of, um, I mean, yeah, it, it was foretold. He wasn't gonna, he, he wasn't gonna make it, you know, it just, it was, I mean, if you think that he hadn't heard all that stuff about Suge Knight before he found a common cause with Suge Knight, you're wrong. I think he heard exactly and goes, this is the kind of guy that I need. But, you know, anybody who's well, had a he was big desperate in prison is, is desperate and being attacked, being attacked in prison. But anybody I know who's had a big violent dog knows, you know, there comes a time where you might have to take really crucial action to establish your upper hand with that dog. Otherwise, you know, you become that dog's dog. And, you know, I, I, Sorry, I'm still going to go down to the conspiracy road, and I, I find it interesting that a car that was peppered with with gun what's the word? Bullets, gunshot, gunfire gun, 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 gun that was peppered with gunfire only ends up striking the biggest man in the vehicle like once. <laughs> uh, what are the chances of that? I just I, I don't know. I don't but know. then it again, me. it. it... Who is going to drive a car, trust a bunch of idiots with guns in a moving vehicle to miss him that many times? Like, I, yeah. I just think that is too difficult to pull off. And Shug has clearly established he's not a mastermind. Well, I, mean, I know that as a music industry attorney, when I was a music industry attorney, what happened with Tupac was very instrumental with regard to the number of clients that I had, in which when they saw mm. the fact, and we talked about this in other shows, but when they saw the fact that their record contracts enabled the company to take out life insurance policies on them, right? And like, what does this mean? It's like, oh, well, remember when Tupac got uh, murdered? Yeah, well, oh, that's right. And I heard they were having a falling out and he was going to leave death row anyway. So maybe he cashed out. Mm. So, mm. you know, so yeah. what Eugene yeah. is saying, yeah. like a lot of people, you know, were talking about the possibility that, sure. you know, I mean, something Duke was, was lined up. Bad guy and bad guys do bad things. And Tupac's involvement with Shu clearly led to his death. It's just a matter of who pulled the trigger. And that's really pretty immaterial. Right, right. 
You know, right, he made right. a deal with the devil, point. literally. I, I was friends with a lawyer. She was originally from Carson, California, and her brother had played football with Shook. And, uh, you know, she said his his reputation as a thug was aggressively overstated. He was like an imposing lineman, but that he he. I mean, you know, kind of, in a, and he was a he was a bright guy. He wasn't a stupid guy. He was an imposing lineman and not a stupid guy. But apparently, his flirtation with with gangsterism was kind of dilettante ish, like, uh, like like Tupac's to a certain degree. I think they yeah. were both in situations where the shit got away from them, and and they both paid for it in very different ways. You know. Damn. Yep. Wow. What kind Absolutely. of sentence? What, what kind of sentence? What, 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 what kind of sentence did did, did the knight get? How long it's is he in for? Over fifteen years, fifteen to twenty, maybe, and and uh, it's bad. I mean, he was and responsible how- for the death of somebody in a parking lot, ran him over. You know, that was and it was the third yeah, strike yeah, too. Yeah. So you know, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a documentary with a series of interviews one on one with you that's really interesting. I highly recommend it. You know, it's. Uh, yeah, dude was bad news and, and mm-hmm. came to regret it. You know, at, at the end, he says something like, you know, I, I wished we had been like, you know, we could have had Biggie and Tupac. Like, you know, I wish we had just said, hey, let's let's have everybody succeed. And You, you, know, you could have been, da- yeah, man. And you could have been dancing in the videos. So you can of- <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. So thank you for uh, another episode of hip hop evolution next time we'll be talking about the death of biggie small oh. follow the let it roll podcast on twitter at let it Rollcast, and check out our website at let it roll next week nate will return with eugene s robinson and alexi old to continue their discussion of hip hop evolution with a look at notorious big's life after death and the dreaded Jiggy era. Let It Roll is a Pantheon podcast, and you can listen to more great podcasts at www.pantheonpodcasts.com. Let It Roll is dedicated to the memory of Ed Ward, Russell Thomas, and Danny Park. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 